welcome back everybody to Gab with Gwen podcast. We have a returning guest, Miss Tiff, not in the building, socially distancing. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm back and um, virtually better than ever. Sure. Why not? I'll go with that. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. So I started to tell people when I recorded this because the way my queue is set up, sometimes it should be real late. So today is June 21st, you guys. <laughs> I don't know what's going to come out. So whenever it comes out, don't judge me. Okay. And Miss Tiff, just a reminder for those of you who maybe recently started listening, was here before I rebooted this year. So actually, you were the last episode before I like took a pretty long hiatus. So it was April last year. Wow. Uh, April, it was episode 34, Everything is Political. And so you guys check that out because this episode is actually really good. And then I think we had some long ass conversation that had to split up into multiple episodes. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. And so you guys, you can get, you can go back and listen to episode 29, Lift Every Voice. I remember us singing the Black National Anthem <laughs> in that one. Which is um, so right on time right now. Facts. Yeah. All the facts, right? <laughs> Every month is Black History Month. Episode 30, Living a Lie is a really good one. People talk to me about that one till this day. <sighs> that's I think you know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, I do. And then I think we split that 30 and that to split into two episodes. So it's 30B bonus. As you guys know, I do bonus episodes. We did the Insecure Coachella vibe. Oh, um, Nathan. Yes. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Oh, my God, Nathan. Look at how far things have changed. My God. And then we did 30B2K because I have to do a second bonus. All right. And that one was twice as good. Still applies today. Uh and we did 33 with Slim. You guys know the MVP Slim, who's also from Alabama. Uncomfortable Black Excellent, which, you know, I think was about Cosby and everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, blackly black, black, black topics. And yeah. we still in blackly black, black, black times. I mean, always. So, <laughs> I mean, we always are. Yeah. Basically. So you guys check out those episodes. And so I wanted Miss Tiff back. You know, you know, she's a family woman, so it's hard to get her time. To talk about something that, you know, I've alluded to in some of the recent episodes, you know, since everything has been happening with Black Lives Matter, the different protests, the responses from celebrities, which I told y'all not to listen to any celebrities, mm-hmm. and also this corporate response. Now, I've actually peppered this in a little bit through different episodes. I actually just put something on Instagram maybe yesterday. I'm also doing weekly episodes now, bonus episodes about I May Destroy You, the new show on HBO that comes after Insecure. And there was a scene in it where her friend, Arabella's friend, went to a an audition. I don't know if you watched the show or not, but that's not the point. The point is that the audition was for like women's empowerment, blah, blah, blah. She did poorly in the audition. But the sentiment of the people at the company, though, to me, I was like, these people don't give a fuck about, they don't give a damn about women's empowerment at all. It's pretty clear. And I feel that same way about Black Lives Matter and all of this, quote unquote, corporate support, Blackout Tuesday, you know, the mm-hmm. box on social media, all this stuff where suddenly everybody's giving, yeah, I did a Juneteenth episode. We talked a lot about Nike on that, me and Slim. So everybody's, you know, you're giving Juneteenth off. All this stuff that you suddenly support Black folks. Yeah. And a lot of companies, not basically all of them, have a diversity office or a diversity officer who tends to be the most senior Black person they prop up. Talk about it. So why do we need all of, why do we need all of this onslaught of sudden support 
and Juneteenth suddenly becoming a, a holiday in New York by Cuomo and all this stuff. If all these companies have a diversity officer, a diversity department, and you tend to prop up your black pawn in there. What does this mm-hmm. all mean? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting for me. Um, I'm I'm really conflicted about that. I mean, you guys know, and especially Gwen knows that I'm not one to hold my tongue around things. And so I have been piping up a lot in the last few weeks um, because on one on one hand, um, I want to believe with my rose-colored glasses and optimism that a lot of this is purposeful and meaningful. And I realize that most of this is very performative. Most of it is, you know, we want to make sure that people know that we're good, so we're going to post a, a black box or we're going to make a statement. Um, and this chief diversity officer ends up getting swept into all of this and they're looking at this person like, hey, so now help us write the things that we're going to do to be better. And it's interesting because that person has been in this role before any of this happened. And they really just kind of use them as the person to make sure that we have diverse slates. And for people to know what that means, just essentially like when you're hiring people, that there is a person of color or a woman in that hiring um, process. And they're really just kind of in use as kind of these check the box things for HR performance and for, um, you know, those those little infographics that they share about how well they're doing as a diverse company. No one is looking for them to affect any change until this moment where we cannot get out of our houses and we cannot look away, or I wouldn't say we, because black folks, this has been our existence forever, but people who are not black can't really look away right? They're all looking at their phone. And so you've been surrounded and the blinds have been taken off. And now they're like, well, who can help us fix this at this company? Let's ask the diversity person, because obviously they know how to fix all Black stuff, because nine times out of 10, they are Black. And for me, this is going to be controversial, but I, in my experience, I, my, uh, my direct experience with the diversity chief diversity officer that I happen to have uh, witnessed (laughs) doing or not doing things is I feel like you need to have a connection to the Black experience to even feel passionate enough to want to change things in a meaningful way. And if you don't, then you're going to kind of farm out the people who are actually living that life to build things for you. And a lot of people have come to me and say, you know what, you really should do this. This is what you should do with your life. And I realized that I think that position just becomes kind of a scapegoat. Um, they don't have any real power. It's If it doesn't work, if the statement that this person said we should put out doesn't work, it's their fault, right? It's not our fault. We're hiring to be the Black person of all Black people. We're hiring to be the king of the Blacks or the queen of the Blacks. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. It's like, but they can't, right? Like, we're not a monolith. What are you talking about? Like, he's not the king of the Blacks. Like, oh, yeah, let's ask that person. They'll know what to say. And um, and just being where I sit in this kind of like marketing piece of where I work, it's interesting to see people scrambling for the right messages and looking around the room, all of a sudden, you know, the sprinkles of uh, Cocoa Puffs and the box of kicks are the most important people to write these messages. <laughs> and often we are the lowest on the totem pole. So it's mm. very interesting mm. to have you better testify. People- well, listen, hey, I mean, it's, it's Sunday here, okay? I, mean, okay? I don't know when y'all gonna get this episode out, this, but anyway. <laughs> but it's like, well, you know, you make way more than I do, and you need me to help you with this? Why? Oh, Lord. 
Okay. Why do you need that? Okay. Um, and why is this diversity officer all of a sudden so important? And he wasn't, and you guys have been doing the same thing for years. Oh. Or should now, now you want her all in the front of the store. What's the Kanye song? Put Kanye all in the front of the store. That's, that's what they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I think this is not going to die down. It's not. Not until we get out of coronavirus. I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like until people can leave their houses and ignore this again, it's not going to go anywhere. And pretty soon, they're going to be looking at those chief diversity officers and say, well, we're going to have to fire this one and get a new one. So I don't So you said a lot. You said a word. I did. You Sorry. said a lot. You said a word. I agree with everything that Tiff is saying. <laughs> but let's break it down a little bit. So actually, before you break it down, let's ask another question. Obviously, these diversity officers have been here this whole time in their different roles at all of these companies across the country. What were they doing before? Because suddenly... Black Lives Matter and everyone's mm -hmm. jumping on the bandwagon. So what was happening before? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't, nobody cared about actually making structural systemic, systematic change inside the organization. Like, so what they've like been doing. So what they've been doing. So yeah, I mean, I like and, and I have to be honest. Like hire more black people and make sure that their little employee groups have a budget so that they can um, do yoga you know, for the for the Asian um, for the Asian groups, and so that the black people can have sweet potato pie in uh, Black History Month, and let's make sure that during Pride we put out some rainbow tablecloths. I mean, it's bare minimum. It's it's been bare to me from what I've seen. It's yeah. been bare minimum this entire time, and well, no one is. has asked for more. Well, okay. So is it that no one's asked for more? Because I think a few things. I think black people have been vocal about all of this inside corporations, outside of corporations. We've been very consistent with our message, I feel. But it's been deaf ears. And mm -hmm. so I think even within corporations, the chief diversity officers, it is questionable about, okay, so what have you been doing? Because it mm -hmm. has been more like very surface check the box of different months come around, you know, women's pride, black, whatever. And you do some little, you know, event or some little thing. And then you move on and you do your George Jefferson walk and you keep it pushing, <laughs> you know, like you pat yourself on the back and that's that. And so I question, obviously the corporate motives are not, not great, but I also do have to question, and this is hard to say because a lot, not all of them, right? They're not all like, sometimes it's white women who are in these roles. I'm very cognizant of that. A lot of times it might be a white woman in there. You know, in my experience, I've seen it where it's generally been black people in those roles. And it makes me feel like, well, you came up and you feel like, Ooh, master, let me sit at the table and you're happy. Mm -hmm. And you're just happy to be in the house with Massa and you quote unquote represent the rest of us on the plantation, but you don't care because you're happy that right. Massa's, Massa's patting you on the head. And right. people may take offense to what I'm saying, but I think it's the truth because these numbers have been shitty at all of these companies. I talked about, you know, Nike doing all this stuff and Slim was kind of praising them saying, well, they were the first ones, you know, they put Kaepernick in a video when it was unpopular for kneeling. And I said, it was a data analytics. They did it. These people don't care. And let's keep it real. If Nike did the same analysis that Silicon Valley has had to do, and they've had to admit to their poor diversity numbers, they'd be in the same place. So 
that structure of you making money off of black people, but your own company does not reflect any, it does not give black people any power or access or voice. That's right. a problem. And then the only people you have there is your mall cop. Basically, you know, it's like a security guard who's a black person, <laughs> diversity <laughs> officer, you know, the queen of the black. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you're your security guard at the mall, but like, you don't have any real power. You know, when stuff goes down, the real cops have to come in, but you right. feel proud because you're the mall cop. Of course, top flight, top flight security. That's yeah. who you are. I mean, and I think maybe I should be clear. When I say they're not asking for more, I really mean the executives that are hiring this person. Okay. I feel like there are employees at companies, and it was similar to mine, who are saying, hey, these are all things that we see that are wrong, even giving suggestions, writing strategies, all these things. And then we have presented it, and I'm sure they've done the same thing, presented it to top flight. And then what happens, it doesn't ever get up the chain or the way that it is presented, we're never aware of how it's actually presented. And things just start to get swept under the rug until the new thing comes along. And I think part of it too is like, it's just where we work. <laughs> like, it's a small part of who we actually are as Black folks in our existence that for the people that are trying to get change enacted at their organizations and connecting to the chief diversity officer to do so, they're not going to keep screaming about it because they're just trying to pay their bills and go home. Now, but I, for that person in that role, I feel like that should make they they're the burden of proof is on them to show that they're actually earning that six figure salary by listening to folks. But I also think that they don't have to. No, they don't have to. So two things I feel from just all of this, and I felt, and I've mentioned this before. Biggest thing when I'm saying don't listen to celebrities, all that stuff. I think we all as black people need to be very careful that. All skin folk and kin folk. And I can't Please. say it enough. All skin folk and kin folk because look at what we're seeing. You have these people who are propped up basically as a pawn to check the box in that they can put in a brochure. If you guys are not in corporate roles, right? Say that you go to a school, right? When you guys go to any college, a community college, or if it's a four-year accredited university, you're going to see, you know, a brochure that looks like all the colors of the rainbow. And when you get to the school, you're like, well, what the hell was that? The brochure did this, you know, and, and it's just like, yeah, they just want someone to be a pawn to look good in pictures, to look good in marketing outside. And then unfortunately, a lot of these people are happy to do it. They're happy to shuck and jive and be like, yay, I'm here. And they feel good about it. So it's, it's really scary because the companies are saying, well, look, we, we, I have a, I have a high black ranking person and they're the queen and king of the blacks. And right. they told me you didn't need anything else. And they said you were good. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that is dangerous. And I want to caution people about, well, this is just work and this is a small portion of our life. I'm going to tiptoe around what I'm trying to say because I'm not trying to reveal too much. I want to <laughs> say this. When I look at the root cause of a lot of things where how can Black people advance, a lot of it comes down to being able to have upward social mobility. And mm -hmm. a lot of that means that you need to be able to obtain generational wealth. And I can give an example of a person I, I've called my favorite Trump supporter on this podcast before, who I used to work with, who I no longer work with, who's no longer at my company. And this is a, you know, a white woman in her 50s and making well, I'll just tell you guys, making well into six figures, definitely making over $200,000 plus. And we had conversations about her stock options and how that was what she was going to use to pay to send her children to college. Mm -hmm. So 
base salary over $200,000, the stock options are significant enough that with having multiple children close in age, she was not going to use any of her earned money or earnings or things like that or savings, but using the money from that to pay for four years of college. Now, the way compensation happens in these corporations is that a lot of you guys are just so focused on your base salary, but the higher you go up, it's not about your base salary. And when you get into executive compensation or just, just professional compensation, your package is more than your base. It's really what they're going to be giving you in terms of stock options and different things like that. Bonus. And that's where it becomes a bigger portion often than your actual base. So when you say that work, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, Black people are not getting these same perks and the, the same pay equity as your counterparts who are not Black. So mm-hmm. you should care because when you're trying to figure out how to get student loans for your kids or how to do a 529 and save all this stuff, the non-Black people are not even touching their real money. Right. They got money that they can use. And so when we're talking about generational wealth, this is how we're going to do it. Everybody is not going to be a celebrity and a millionaire, but there are people who are 100,000 heirs, okay, who right. actually can do well and are not burdened by debt and have assets unlike most black people who are starting from way further back. But a lot of it, the companies are reinforcing this, right? Because you can have your peer or other people who you think, oh, first of all, you're probably getting paid lower on a base salary amount. You're probably getting lower on a bonus. And you're definitely getting lower when it comes to stock options, things like that, if you have that. So that is where wealth gets built, right? This is how you start to get assets. And if the company is not paying Black people equitably, or if Black people don't have any promise of growth in a company, everyone is packed in at lower levels, or they're not in revenue generating departments and business units, then- They're not getting promotions. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. They don't have any room for advancement. They're not getting promotions. Even when Mm -hmm. you get promoted- are they giving you an equitable amount that they would give to someone who's not black? This is real. So work is a big part of your life in terms of how you navigate this world. What schools your kids go to? Can you send your kids to private school? Do your kids go to public school? Where can you afford to live? Can you pay the taxes? Work is a part of your livelihood. So you can't just take it like, oh, this is my check and I leave because you don't even realize that you're not even getting what you deserve. It's interesting. I think there are that whole perspective, and now that I'm, I'm listening and just thinking about what you said, I think there are people that do view work that way. Um, that's just kind of like, I'm going to get my check and I'm going to go. But everything you said is true. I think there is a, a knowledge gap into like how deep it goes, right? Because if this is your first time ever making money, and let's say your parents, you know, didn't graduate high school or college or whatever, and you make, you're making $65,000 a year, to you, you're making a whole lot of money, <laughs> right? Yep. And you're like, I am not going to stir the pot. Okay, fine. I'm the only black person on my team. Cool. That's it. I'm going to take my check. I'm going to go home. What you're talking about is people who have the knowledge of 529 mm-hmm. and like all like there's a whole population that probably may not even know what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's hard too, because on some level, even thinking about my parents, I'll, I'll put my parents in it. I would say we grew up lower middle class. Like we we didn't, we, I wouldn't say we were rich by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, 
my mom was just like, oh, savings is just you take a little bit of money out of your paycheck and you put it to the side. I remember asking my mom about a 529 plan and she was like, what is that? And talking to her about like like stocks and I was telling her my company gave me stocks. She's like, what do you mean they give them to you? Right. So it's a whole foreign thing. I think we're not even being in corporate America after some time. We're pretty well versed in at least the terminology and the things we don't know. There are um, resources where we can go to and find this information out. But there's just a huge knowledge gap just in our community overall connected to financial literacy. And so I think part of that is also not wanting to rock the boat. So when you think about these um, diversity officers, I think you'll also find there are specific people that will push these officers on issues. And there were some that would just be like, you know what, I'm good where I am. I'm not joining that fight. Right. And I think there are people on both sides that have that history to connect to why they're not going to say anything. And those that are like, actually, no, I deserve this. I'm going to be valued. I want to be respected. I don't want to be the only Black person on my team. I don't want to post Black Lives Matter on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. If there's only 2% of us in the company, I don't want to do those things. But it's hard. It's hard because um, all those things are connected to who we are as a people. Yeah, no, and it's true. And so that is very fair. Look, my parents immigrants came here with nothing worked hard you know we had a you know i would say lower middle class middle class life they're very good at saving a lot of things they don't know i talk to them now in my 30s about hey you just things i can see just you don't even understand because you didn't grow up in the system plus you're black you don't understand either there's so many things and you come from people who've honestly just been very poor honestly agricultural my mom's side like my mom comes people who were just in the countryside farming there's no big education there's nothing you were in farmers and that was it my dad's side his dad I, I can't even think what my grandpa did my grandpa like did blue collar work his mother was a seamstress they were very poor they were in Kingston the city but you know had a hard time his mother was very bright she wanted to go to school but they didn't have money and mm-hmm. so that was that you know, my father happened to be very bright. So that's what advanced him because he's he's like brilliant and was able to get scholarships and come to America. That's why. But that still doesn't give you the financial literacy education. Right? Exactly. So you think about just surviving. You know, we're always in survival mode as black people. And we don't know this. And frankly, I, if I think about myself in college and also if I'm talking about right now, I didn't know. Right. Nope, and my parents. I didn't know. My parents could not have advised me about it. Whole college didn't know. Frankly, I have two master's degrees. First master's degree, didn't know. It was the second one where I was more in the business where I was like, oh, okay, now when I'm learning about balance sheets and financial statements and I'm learning about executive compensation, then I was like, oh, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And it's still, from an academic perspective, still didn't hit as much as still I'm getting into my 30s, advancing my career, and then having more touch points, honestly, with wealthy white people that I started to learn. That's the fact. So a lot of people don't know, right? So like now I have the knowledge to be able to share with other people in my family or things like that who don't know, because I didn't know. And I'm just learning now as you know, my 30s, I didn't know. But but, 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 them damn chief diversity officers are getting paid, though. Okay. A lot. So okay. they know. <laughs> A them, lot. Them niggas know. Okay, I'm and sorry. And they are closing the door behind them. Yes. I mean, not all of them, but I will say, in my own purse and Tiff's experience, I have not seen anyone reaching down. It's always the other way around. It's always, you know, the group of employees saying, hey, why don't we do these things versus them setting up a meeting and saying, you know what, here are some areas I've identified that we need to help you in this is how we can do better as a company to help i have not seen that 
I've um, seen so it. So now all of a sudden it's like, ooh, Juneteenth, Black Squares, Black Lives Matter. Really? How long have you been here? Okay. I know. It's, <laughs> I've seen different, you know, I've worked at different corporations. I've seen different, it, it's swing different ways, right? So I've seen Uncle Tom's, Aunt Thomasina's doing, <laughs> doing what they do, doing the house servant dance. I've seen not someone be particularly woke, but I, I've seen a diversity officer who was, I would call a little bit combative and counterproductive, where I would say this person would just basically try to encourage discrimination suits like against everybody. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you can't just go accusing every like white person or something. Like you just can't be like, I mean, report that's them. one way. I guess that's one way to, yeah. it didn't work. It didn't Is that work. the only way though? Okay, I was yeah. like, that didn't work. I was like, wait. And the crazy part was that I saw certain things happen. I didn't know. And then like, I would see like a black person leave the company. It's not my company. Now I want to be very clear to everybody. It's not my current employer. Not that y'all know what it is, but I want to be very clear. I would see a black person leave the company and I would see a white person leave the company. And then like maybe months or years later, I'm talking to people and they finally tell me what the hell happened. And they're like, oh, this one left and felt like one black person felt that the boss was discriminating against her. Honestly, that black lady I know was a lazy ass. So I was like, I don't know about that. You just lazy. And then <laughs> the white lady, the white lady just quit because she was like, what? And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, hold on, woman. You got to be discerning too. Like we can't just clobber everybody over the heads because this is not going to work either. And I was like, I'm not sticking up for this white lady, but I know that black lady wasn't shit either. So like, let's be like, you can't, that can't be the approach. And it was just a very clobber everybody over the head. You're guilty. Then I was like, we haven't even started with the fundamentals of education for people to even understand what the hell we want or what they're doing. Right. They don't even know that. So I've actually, you know, I had to, it's sad to say, and I can say if I, I can say I have been close enough or just had enough interactions with chief diversity officers at five companies. I'm going to just put that out there, like five major companies in different industries. I'm going to tell you guys across the board, like healthcare, everything. And um, another, oh, actually, I think, I'll think about back in the day, one woman was a fucking actress. Literally, she was like a part-time actress. No. Diversity officer. Yes, she was. And um, she, honestly, she, to me, she did okay this is not related to this but i'm gonna tell the story because it's actually a fucked up story and i think it's worth telling um this is so i was like a wee child okay working in like one of my first corporate jobs and very low 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 on this holding pole that, that's it and it oof, how can i tell the story it, it was a okay it was a hospital i'm gonna say that and one of the doctors got accused of sexual assault like touching oh. touching a nurse okay oh. the nurse was black the doctor was not black he wasn't white either though so just a non-black i'm just leaving it at that non-black non-white doctor and when they pulled this man's file, yo, this man had been arrested and like had no. rape charges from the seventies through the two thousands. Okay. And the person, the woman, the nurse who had put in the claim had said he was a physical touching. And also she felt like 
partially she's a black woman, all this stuff. And let me tell you, that chief diversity officer, along with all the executives, did everything to defend that fucking doctor and dismiss this woman's claim. Mm. And I was like, what is going on? And I was so young and like, oh my God, you know, I'm 23. And I just was like, oh my God. You know what I mean? I just didn't, I was like, what is this? And for me to see a glimpse of that and see it. And I saw, I was like, oh. you know, and the worst part, I can't even tell you guys that this man was the OBGYN. No. Yes. I want to throw something. Yes. <laughs> and I promise I'm not exaggerating and I'm actually leaving out worst parts of the story. I promise everyone, I I can't, I swear across my heart, and on every respect, Gwen is not saying this to be cute. I'm not yeah. being to be cute. Like this really happened. I have told this story in grad school in a law class. Told this because I've talked through like legally, like why people do stuff that they do. And so, oh, man, I have seen diversity officers uphold awful things. Like I've seen it. You know, what I mean, be a part mm. of upholding systematic oppression. I've seen it. And against women, against Black people, all of that. So at the end of the day, I think we all just need to be really clear that when you see these anointed Black spokespeople, whether or not it's in corporate America, or if you see whoever is in, whoever, Charlemagne, you know, I've been dragging him on here. Anybody who you guys think is speaking on behalf of regular folk, they're not because they're in a different class, a different tax bracket. They're not thinking about your everyday things. They don't have to go through everyday things. And because they're trying to keep themselves in that position, they don't have your best interest in mind. I think that also brings up an extra an interesting point around experience is huge because I said that earlier also. But what is the education required to be a chief diversity officer? Like, do That's you need to have an HR um degree do you need a master's in psychology like what exactly because I have not and this is sad but I haven't I haven't uh, worked with that many chief diversity officers I want to say maybe three in my career um but I don't know that employers are looking for a specific set of um education for that role maybe it's just that they've had diversity on their resume somewhere. And I think that's the scary part. I mean, that's because, a great question because what qualifies yeah. you to do this? Like really, what does qualify yeah. you? Cause I don't yeah, even think an HR like, degree oh, you qualifies you. Somewhere else. Yeah. But I think part of that is like, do you just knowing the ins and outs of like compensation and talent management and like all those things I think are important because those are questions that tend to come up a lot, at least in the circles that I'm in mm-hmm. um, with speaking with other black women who have like 20, 25 years of experience, three master's degrees and cannot get a vice president role, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think those pieces are important, but I think also uh, strategy, you know, like all those other things are really also important. Like, can you look at something and make recommendations? Can you, I I don't know. It's, it's, it, it feels like there needs to be a higher standard for that role instead of just someone who has diversity on their resume from somewhere. I would agree, you know, but at the same token, what the hell is the qualification to be a CEO? The way America works, it's not always about your degree. It's just, you know, your experience, relationships, you know. Yeah, well, relationships is the big one. Relationships bigger than resumes, honestly. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's based, relationships are better, bigger than resumes, qualifications, degrees, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. 
I, you know what? I think you make a very good point. I think it's really hard. I mean, I don't know if there is a program track towards diversity. I don't, I don't think so because I think in HR, if you have a business degree, you can be fine in HR. If you have a HR degree, I'm sure you can be fine. A lot of people have psychology degrees. You know, I think Mm -hmm. HR tends to be like just people who were in liberal arts and kind of end up there, to be honest. (laughs) And for a diversity person, you are the HNIC. They're giving you, anointing you as the head Negro in charge. And people want that. And I think if we look historically, because corporations really have not opened up and are really reinforcing a lot of racist infrastructure and systemic oppression, they will allow in certain spaces. So I think HR is seen as not serious in terms of business. And so that's where they allow Black people to go. And so it's like, okay, well, how can I rise? I can be in HR. Where you see areas like IT, engineering, sales, products, those things that are more heavy hitting, that have more money, more value, revenue generation, and who have P&Ls, you're not seeing Black people there. And that's why Silicon Valley is in the situation it's in. I bet you you don't. If you look at a lot of companies, you'll see a lot of Black people maybe in marketing, maybe in HR, but it's very specific. It's very specific. And this is, to me, a parallel I've talked about. And you're creative, but I've actually gone on rants on the broadcast about, like, (laughs) I get really frustrated with, quote unquote, Black leadership because it's celebrities and everything is just, we are all basically trying to aspire to be entertainers because that is the only lane that white supremacy has crafted for black people and it's entertainment sports whatever but that's the lane where they've crafted where like we'll let you be okay here and make it's okay to be over there right but but black people need to be careful because if they're saying this is okay there's a lot more money to be made other places and that's where you're not being let in okay that's where you're not Mm -hmm. being let in so that parallels to corporations and hr whichever departments you see that they allow black people in where it's entry level right it could be like i don't know catering food service whatever but where the real money is being made the silicon valley the tech which is what the only industry america has at this point okay besides entertainment that's where we're not being let in and those are the doors we should be knocking on and kicking down and these diversity officers should be trying to speak up about and understand like hey why does our company not have these people in these places exactly Yeah. And I mean, that goes to the point about what conversations that are they sparking, right, when they come in? I mean, I feel like a lot of companies are hiring them after situations like this, right? Like right now in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement, if a company doesn't have one right now, I'm pretty sure they're looking for one on LinkedIn right now. Absolutely. But it shouldn't be a solve for, um, you know, a social justice, uh, civil rights movement. It should be something that you do just to ensure that everything your company is doing is going through this lens because most of you in that boardroom are white and most of your executives are likely white. And part of that is by design or maybe most of it. So maybe you need someone to come in there and say, listen, I looked at these things and these are the areas you have to grow. And I think if no one is coming in there and doing that and they just wanna make sure that we hire X amount of black interns and we have, uh, you know, at least five promotions and one black executive, then they're doing it wrong. I know. I know. But they also may feel like, look, they could always swap me out with any other Negro. They could always swap me out for another black pawn and be done with it. Because to me, black people tend to over index what I've seen in just different companies and 
HR and legal, right? There's a lot of black lawyers and HR. I see there's a lot of black people in HR. And so in their defense, look, I'm defending y'all, okay? In your defense, you could feel like, well, what's the point of me saying anything? They can swap me out with somebody else who'll just do a tap dance if I won't, which is true, which is true. And then the company's not going to get a ding or criticized if you swap out one black person for the next, right? For another, yeah. They're not going to get criticized. So that is the tricky part here because black people are we're so unfortunately conditioned to be fighting for scraps that it does take a lot to really stand up and i do think there probably is a lack of you know you're making a very excellent point there probably is a lack of education and understanding of some of the key things that a diversity officer should be driving you know yes. You know, and so some of it is the pay equity, the compensation, the analysis, but then also it's, you can't just say, let's get interns and young black people in. That's part of it. But black people need to grow in their careers and black people need to get paid accordingly. And what does that look like? Right. And then how do you get black talent in these underrepresented areas and the revenue generating areas? Right. Because a lot of those people, it's not about and we just talked about it. It's not because, oh, you don't have the qualifications. You only require qualifications for black people. Other people, you just say, oh, experience or relationships. Mm -hmm. So these black people can be grown and you can invest in them like you invest in non-black people and you'll get the same returns and more. But you have to address your unconscious bias and the systemic issues why you won't do that. And Black people are often invisible in corporate America or fighting obstacle after obstacle to just sustain themselves. Yeah, and I think being in the room is a, a, a being in the room is really something that we talk about all the time, or some people call it like a seat at the table, or um, it's a luxury that many of us don't get. And it's a luxury that that chief diversity officer does get. So I feel like having that face time is so powerful. And if you aren't equipped with the things that you even, you know, want to ask for, or the gaps or the holes in the organization, you do a disservice to every person that you're supposed to be serving under that umbrella. And that's the hard part, because there could be someone who's not the chief diversity officer, that may have the solution for all the things or most of them that you really need to drive in the company. And if you don't have that relationship, then you're never going to know. And executives are going to feel like you're doing a great job because you're there. Like they've done their job just by hiring you. And it's sad because it hurts the black and brown employees or or people of color or everyone that kind of goes under that um, umbrella for diversity in your organization. It hurts them in the end. True. So this is the other thing. I think it becomes who wants to go what's the motivation for people to go in those roles and why because i sometimes i wonder sometimes i really wonder like oh yeah why are you even doing this because i think a lot of people are just happy to be at masses table and to get shuffled around like a marionette it feeds their ego and they feel great and on top of this something that is a problem just in general when anyone rises amongst the rank i find that people start to feel themselves and they start smelling themselves and they think well i'm different i'm special that's why Hmm. i'm here i'm not like you little negroes and so (laughs) they start to think well i'm better and then it becomes honestly which I'm going to say personally, I've seen a lot of lately that's made me feel so uncomfortable is 
black executives within, you know, corporations, and you've seen it also in the media with celebrities and different people. But I'll say in these corporations, the few black executives who are getting the podium to speak are mm. really talking from rich nigga problems. Okay. Mm. And they are talking about, well, I have all these accolades and I have these luxury items and I have all these things. Don't you see? I'm this special shiny black man, <laughs> this special shiny black woman. And right. uh, can you believe they even do this to me? The anointed special black <laughs> one. And I'm like, what? Like this yeah. is, this is not the message. <laughs> this is no. not the message. And it's scary because there's a disconnect. The people fighting in the streets are not talking about you and your OJ problems. You're not black. I'm OJ. That's what you're doing. And I get, I'm frozen. I'm like, are we serious? What's happening here? It's a twilight zone because the people who are speaking on behalf of other black people are like glorified Candace Owens. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. This is this is and they're the ones in the room. It's hard. They're in the room, and the white people and executives are all applauding them. Yes, thank you, Candice. Thank you, Amarosa. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? Who? Right. And and, but there's groups of them, and so those are the ones who make it to the top. This is actually Mm -hmm. related. Sometimes, so I'm I'm something I'm gonna tell y'all to look at. Look at a company, right? And we're always complaining about, oh, you know, women can't rise to the top. Blah blah. Look at the caliber sometimes and the quality and the characteristics of the women who make it to the top in these corporate settings. You were like, she made it? Is that who made it to the top? And the same thing with the black people. Sometimes you're like, that's that was the creme de la creme. This ain't, no, this ain't adding up. This ain't adding up. Because it just sometimes it's just like, wait a minute, this can't be it. You can't tell me that this was the most qualified, the most, the person on merit who did it. That's That's not who's getting to the top. That's not who's getting to top. It's those who are making white people feel comfortable. And it goes back to what we were saying about relationships. Yeah. Right? It's back to relationships again. It's like, well, guess what? This person, I don't feel threatened by them. And I relate to them. They live in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their kids play lacrosse with my kids. Like, they're a good Black person. So I'm going to make sure that whenever we need things for Black people, they're in the room because they speak for the Blacks. And then it becomes the second king or queen of the Blacks. And then we have two of them. We have the diversity officer and we have the acceptable Negroes that we have deemed the second king or queen of the Blacks. And it's like, it's infuriating. It's It's infuriating. There's this narrative that's being built that we are not a part of. And I'm saying we, but I'm saying people who are not Black executives or this chief diversity officer, not all Black executives. I don't want to say that. But these specific ones that, that we're pointing out here, um, there's a narrative where they feel like this person is speaking for all of us. <laughs> and so if they're working on addressing what this person says is an area of opportunity or a challenge or area for growth, then they're doing a good job. And there's a disconnect from that person all the way down. Yeah. And it's I think compl- that's a good yeah. part of why there's no change. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the people who are at the top in corporate America who are representing the path of what success looks like for black people, and that is a Tiger Woods and an OJ and a Candace Owens and a Condoleezza Rice, that's not a good look. That's a problem. That's mm-hmm. a problem. And that's what I think we're seeing. And I think we also are not articulating that. And I don't know why it's not being articulated or because maybe there's just such a disconnect again, because the leadership right now is celebrities. So they don't even know how this all works. Uh, and they're also basically glorified Tiger was themselves in Kanye's. But that's what we're seeing. Like, you know, and, and that's actually scary. That's even scarier because 
the onus has been put on black people. Well, we put this HNIC in charge and the friendly Negro told us this is what you Negroes wanted. <laughs> and um, it didn't work. So, uh, you know, what else are we going to do? Cause, uh, or not even it didn't work. But what about like, so aren't you happy we did what they said? And we're like, no, we didn't want that. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Listen, is this is just like when Congress put on the Kente cloth. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Who told you we wanted that? Who said that? It was a lot. Who told you that we wanted Kente Claw? <laughs> right. It was like Rachel Dozel was their campaign manager. She was like, this is what y'all need to do. Or it was <laughs> it was Tiger Woods. Or it was Kanye. Or it was Kanye. <sighs> Who told you? That's what we wanted. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is not what Black people need. And this is exactly. not Exactly. And it's this- performative versus purposeful, which is, I've been saying for weeks, I feel like. And there is a blurry line. It's a very blurry line. Um, but yeah, that, that nobody wanted that. We don't need that. So, I mean, where do we, so how do we, I mean, just to be positive and kind of change it as we kind of wrap this up here, how do we affect change? Understanding that a lot of times you may be in a situation where the anointed black person to speak on behalf of everyone is a friendly Negro, the house Negro who really does not have the interests of the mass and the black community at heart. How do we navigate that to get to the point where black people can have a chance at generational wealth creation through having access to what everybody else in corporate America has access to, right? Which is equitable bonuses, equitable stock options, equitable base, any other compensation. How do we do that? That's a that's a heavy question. I mean, I think we're seeing a shift now with this new generation um, where they're a lot more vocal. Um, you know, I think about my mom and she's always like, don't speak up too much, Tiff, because you don't want them to fire you. You know, you got a good job. And she's always telling me that. And um, I think now with this new generation that doesn't really have the level of fear that she had and sometimes that I have about speaking up, um, if corporations really want to keep this talent that they're working so hard to bring in at the lower level, I think it actually might be the more junior talent that affects change. I think the other thing is making sure that people like us, Tiff and Gwen, get into those executive spots. I think that the heart of a person, really like the heart of a leader is what makes somebody a good leader. And right now, what I've seen in my experience has been soulless leadership. So I think a piece of that is really a character flaw that's amplified with a larger seat and a megaphone. Um, It's not something that's easy to fix though. I think there has to be a way to, I hate to say get these, current people out, but I think there, there, there has to be a way to um, shine a light on these issues that doesn't come from the one, what did you call them? The magical Negro, the, the one, whoever, chosen king of the blacks or queen of the blacks. I think it, it has to be different. You know, companies love work streams. They love to put together advisory boards or whatever they call it. And I think that maybe that's the new way that it's not just this one person, that it's a group of Black folks that are sitting, maybe this is the time to do it too. Too Like during while all this movement is happening, maybe they sit together and say, these are the things that we need to affect change. And it doesn't go to the chief diversity officer. It goes to the board. It goes to the CEO. It goes to CFO. Like, I think we need to change the structure of how things happen. Yeah. I mean, I do think, listen, if they, we got into the executive places, we would, you know, we would set off like Queen Latifah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
But <laughs> absolutely. But I also think that the people, the powers that be, are scared. So you're going to go with someone who is more comfortable to you. You're going to go with a Tiger Woods, right? That makes you feel good. You're going to go with a Candace Owens, a Condoleezza, right? Because you want someone who quote unquote fits in and black people are already a threat. And I think we need to recognize that we're a threat in all capacities, right? A violent threat that they think, or just a threat to their sensibilities, but we're always deemed to be a threat. And there's always apprehension about us. So this is also what prevents us from getting to those roles. And yes, my parents, just like your parents, my mom all the time, you have a good job. Just get your money and leave. <laughs> Don't say anything. Don't make these white people kick out your job. Don't say exactly. too much. But like I can say, I know so many people whose, you know, mothers, grandmothers, everyone say this to them, which makes sense. The younger generation, I, I do think they can, but they still are not in the power to really affect this to change. The change is really going to be dictated from the top. And until we get to the top, or people who have our sensibilities, it's going to be hard because you're going to have OJ and Tiger and Kanye tap dancing and telling people that the nonsense that they're saying, whatever Kanye said about, you know, slavery was a choice. That's what they're going to be saying. They're like, yeah, well, he's black. You know, she's black. What what else do you want? Yeah, well, I think that's a big part of it because I'm thinking about just um, back in my, my HR days, how much focus there is at the campus level. And I was thinking about the um, the recent rally that 45 had. And did you hear about this with the TikTok, mm-hmm. Snapchat? And the K-pop fans. Yeah, exactly. shout out to the K-pop, K-pop fans. fans. Hey. Shout out to the K-pop fans. Yes. Yeah. So you think about something, you know, you think about protests, sometimes you go straight to going, hitting the pavement and going to the streets and, you know, making your signs and people who can't even vote yet. Um, found a way to make their present felt, their present felt, whoo, presence felt um, through protesting. And I think if there were a chance to do that in corporate, something that would kind of reflect that same sentiment would be if junior talent said, listen, we looked at your executive level leadership, we looked at your practices, and no, we're not coming to your business for um, our first jobs out of college. I mean, that would be a way to really affect change because many companies who are doing poor diversity numbers at the higher levels are doing better at the lower levels. True, but then where are these kids really going to go? Because none of them are, none of these companies are doing well. The only place I could tell anybody to go to right now is Ben and Jerry's because Ben and Jerry's is out here talking that yes. talk. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the them ice cream man is talking that talk. All right. But otherwise. Yeah. No. So why don't they start a tech, a tech part of their business? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Ice cream tech. Ice cream tech. Like, yes. Um, yeah. Snapchat. I, ben and Jerry's have their own Snapchat. Why not? True. I mean, Ben and Jerry's the only one who I've truly seen out there who it is coming across as authentic. And it's beyond just the surface level PR marketing advertising where, you know, they're like defund the police. Here are the petitions. This is what you need to do. Like they have really been on the lines just like the protesters. So I'm like, okay, all right. But that's Mm -hmm. a rarity and you don't really see that. You know, I will say something about the the young people, though. I think they can influence, aside from, you know, refusing to go to companies, because then we'll all be unemployed, because where are you really going, to be honest? And I know some people like, have your own business. And I'm not knocking that. I think you can have your own business. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you guys something. 
all of you people saying, oh, have your own business today. There are people who are doing very well in corporate America, okay? And so you can have your own business, but I'm telling you there are people who can, you can stay in corporate America and you can be a millionaire. And technically you don't even have to get to the top to do that. You don't. So it's about the doors being opened, right? Corporate America, Wall Street, anything. There's money to be had there, but the door has been so shut on us that we don't even know that. So yeah. I think that is something you guys don't realize. So when everyone's like, black people, black-owned businesses, businesses always are going to have workers. So people are going to, some people are going to work. And even if you have a business, it doesn't mean that it's going to earn you the potential. Yeah, it's not going to be profitable necessarily. And it doesn't mean it's going to earn you the potential that you can make in these other areas. So let's not have a myopic focus here. Like you can do two things at once. You can have your side hustle, but you can also generate the revenue and make things and kind of really have a nest egg and create some wealth as well in corporate America if we can break down the chains and the barriers. But I will say a story, a coworker, a black coworker said something to me and I was like, huh. She said that an older woman in her 50s, she said that she spoke to a white executive and the reason why he reached out to her was because he spoke to his 15-year-old daughter. And he didn't realize that his 15-year-old daughter had such a different perspective than he did. And his 15-year-old white daughter was, I guess, a little bit woke. And that prompted him to say, oh, wow, I didn't really understand Black Lives Matter and all that. He didn't really understand it until he heard it from his child. And yes, that's crazy because Mm. this is, you know, a man who's probably in his 50s or 60s. So again, Mm. Black people, we've been saying the same thing forever. So white people don't be like, what? what? When did this happen? I don't know. The bewilderment is crazy to me because we've been saying it, right? You obviously have not been listening, but it took his child saying something to him for him to even attempt to reach out to a black employee to have the conversation. Right. So I do think Gen Z can influence, you know, not only in the workplace, but even at home with their families, et cetera, who also friends, who have influence to actually show them a different perspective and hopefully they might listen. And I think they can use them being very different to maybe open the eyes of their elders who are Gen X and baby boomers because it took a 15-year-old girl yeah, for the, the children man to are talk. Our future. Yeah, it took a 15-year-old girl for the man to talk <laughs> to his Black employee. So, hey. Crazy. Is, is that hope? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, was that hope? It's, it's hard to say. It's, yeah, we're in a hard place, folks. We're in a hard place. You know, I think the kids are doing the right thing. We need to recognize within the black community that there are Uncle Toms and Aunt Thomasinas. I think we sweep over it because we don't want to be divided. And I get that. But we also need to understand that they're shutting the door behind them and not right. reaching back to help people. And that's not helping anyone. Yeah. And I think that's what we really feel like, or I can say I do, you know, when you see someone that has um, that office, that that's the person that's going to reach down and pull you up. And that's not always the case. Not at all. You know, they're happy to get their confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Because like I said, it's a mall cop job at the end of the day. And so, so to be fair to them, how are they really going to influence things? It becomes just a check the box thing where we have this person they parade them down around like a puppy bowl right and (laughs) then that's that's it they're not really connected they don't have the influence the power the knowledge to make revenue generating decisions right whether it's sales or marketing product engineering it they don't they don't know right they're just 
they're usually in either HR or they're in your law legal. department, your legal, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so if it's, I'll tell you one thing, I'll give you guys a tip. If you have someone who is a diversity officer and they're actually in your legal department, you're actually fucked up because that means that it's really a check the box exercise in the U.S. from a EEOC perspective, because that just means that we're like, okay, well, from a legal standpoint and equal opportunity commission, we just want to make sure that we're abiding by the bare minimum standards. So it's actually a very poor sign when you have that role in a legal department. I will say that it's actually not a good sign. So if you guys have that, you might want to question that. And that might be the first thing in your company to say, hey, what is our real stance on these issues? Because it looks like you are literally yeah. doing something from a legal perspective, which is not addressing the root cause. Um, and then yeah, HR I mean, I think the other like, thing is where, do, where should that sit? I don't even know. I think it should sit in operations, to be honest. I don't think it should be in HR. I don't think it should be in legal. I think hmm. that if you want diverse practices throughout your operations. The diversity officer needs to not be just a fluffy teddy bear who's just around to showcase at the carnival, but someone who's a part of your business operations because it should happen in every aspect, whether or not it's your supplier diversity, who are you contracting with? How are you getting through? Like they should be in your operations that touch all of your departments, right? That's what I actually, Gwen be giving y'all business advice. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good idea. That's where it should be. <laughs> you should be in your operations so that. Give it's her not... office. Give her office somebody. Give her, give Listen. her a in front of her title. Okay. That's where it should be because otherwise, so look, I don't even know. I've never even met, not one time, never seen diversity be in an operations department. So no. <laughs> I, I think by default, it's just a mall cop job. It's just a waste. It's just a security guard, right? On a Segway, just driving around, <laughs> not doing nothing. That's all it is. Tell me it's like a diverse officer who's ever done anything. Legit. You're going to get so much hate from diversity officers in your DMs. Um, okay. Show me what you really did, though. I'll I'll do another episode, and you could come on and talk, and we could. Yeah, you know, I think talk just you know, it. you know, I can only go by my. Yeah, mind that's a constantly. good one too. That's a good follow up. Yeah, I don't have any problem. Look, I've been reaching out to people. I've had random guests on here from Twitter and stuff who've just randomly we've t- we've tweeted. I'm like, okay, come on, and they've come on, right? So I don't have a problem. Actually, there's I saw someone commenting on this topic on Instagram. I might I might DM her and ask her to she wants to to join in because she said she was a diversity officer but I guess she was too quote unquote radical and they got her out so I'll, I'm gonna maybe I'll DM this woman I saw a post about it earlier but let's be real I don't think it should be an HR or legal because either way it's a joke mm-hmm. either way it's a joke and I hate to say that you guys are like oh HR and I'm not diminishing your career but I'm just saying like HR is not seen ser- taken seriously and then if it's illegal that means you're just checking the box from a legal standpoint so there isn't anything about building a diverse culture, breaking down the systems of white supremacy and racism and unconscious and implicit bias. None of that is tied into that. All you're doing is basically a glorified event planner doing events for every month that's designated to some group. Ooh, I, mean, some I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> so, hey, and I you get paid to do it. And, and so you, you're probably cool. And you're probably cool with it. Yeah, I'm a glorified event planner. Yes. And watch me in my Mercedes. Yay. As the rich Negro. Yes. I got it. 
I mean, this is how, yeah. And see, this is why people have been saying like, oh, you know, you really should do this. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to be viewed that way, first of all. Mm. And I do think that I would be the, I'd be there for like two weeks and they'd say, okay, that's <laughs> enough of that. <laughs> that's enough of that. And I think it's hard because with my personality, people, like recently someone sent me something nasty on LinkedIn and I posted it and people were so, so hurt. Like they were like, they must not know you. You're such a good person. You can tell that some this person didn't know you to write this thing to you. And I'm like, this is America. <laughs> like people treat black folks like this all the time. I know you see me and you're like, oh, she's so nice and she's so bubbly and there's no way. And part of that is I think I could get in the door because people would say, Oh, look how happy go lucky she is. Mm -hmm. But I know that like, you know. The first incident that comes up, I'm like, okay, let's fire these five people. <laughs> <laughs> I met with this group who's been oppressed. These are the five people that need to be fired tomorrow. Here are some recommendations for Black people to fill their spot. That, that would be, that's just how I would handle things. And that's why I think it'd be tough for me. Because I can't do that. I'm not a mall cop. I know. Cannot. I mean, you would get it. You know, I can never get in. But you'll definitely get in. <laughs> Could never get in, but and That's I don't what I'm have saying it. sneaky. It's a little sneaky. I can, I know I could get in, but I don't know if I could stay. I mean, so I guess this is a call out to you know young kids who are studying in school. There is a need for diversity officers who are about change, but who are actually equipped with the knowledge to do so and help break down systems and company cultures that reinforce. When I say white supremacy, but just just reinforce racist practices and sexist practices which is mm -hmm. why black people are where we are right so being able to break down those systems and not getting too comfortable chummy and hobnobbing where you want to get pat on the head for validation by these people and i think that's actually hard to do because a lot of black people we are the first generation to kind of break out and quote unquote make it solidly make middle something. class right? Mm -hmm. Like we're the first ones. And so that can go to your head easily. And this is what it is. And I'm not even going to talk about, I'm going to end this, but I'm going to get a little hot take here. And let's talk about a situation in which all of the top black executives have white spouses. Ooh. Does that mean anything or is that just coincidental? Is this a question for me or for the audience? <laughs> we can just leave it out there. We okay, don't even yeah, have to answer it. We let's can just leave it out there. Let's I might just do. just take this snippet and post it on the gram and say comment below. What does yeah. that mean to everybody? If the top black people at your organization, all the top black executives, all have white spouses. And let's be specific. All the black male executives have white spouses. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And listen, you guys know Gwen has dated interracially and I don't have no problem. Love is love. And I'm going to tell y'all that. But it, it is kind of interesting that all of them have white spouses. Hmm. I don't know. Just must be a coinky dink. Has to be. Just a coinky dink. Yep, that's it. I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. <laughs> yes, please do. Because I'm like, don't say anything, Tiff. I'm, I, yeah. Leave it right there. We need to look at our community. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because who is leading whom? And what are the intentions of the people who are leading us, who are supposed to be speaking on behalf of us? 
Dave Chappelle said it in his special. He's like, the streets got this. The streets better have it, okay? Because these people who you think are leaders, people, listen, be careful. Don't listen to these people. Don't listen to the celebrities. Don't listen to the politicians, the executives. The people have to happen. It has to be grassroots. It has to be because I'm telling you, these people do not have our best interests in mind. I'm telling you, you better take a closer look. Mm-hmm. Don't think that, oh, Puffy, did it, why does Puffy care about you? He's been a millionaire for 20 years. Yes. No, 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 no. You better, J-Lo, she not take care about you Latinos. You better check yourselves, all right? You better check yourselves about who you're really looking up to as leaders and who you think is the voice of the community and whose advice you're taking. Because these people are not thinking about you or doing things that are going to help you and your regular, regular lives. All skin folk. Right. Folk. And your experience is not their experience. Very far from. Very far from. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sorry, Chief Diversity Officers, that you got dragged, but... <laughs> we tried not to, a little. I mean, I think we tried to present both sides, but the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. That, I don't have anything else to say about this topic. <laughs> no. Keep hope alive, baby. That's right. And Gen Zs, we, we counting on you guys. Uh, if you need, we do, need us to side coach you, you know, we'll do that. We're good at that, too. Yeah, we will coach you. <laughs> we will help you strategize. How do you approach this? How do you approach that? Absolutely, Gen Z. Yeah, um, reach out to your friendly millennials. <laughs> I know. Did you see Gen Z dragging millennials on Twitter the other day? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> I loved it. I loved I'm it. over here shouting Gen Zs out. I'm grateful. Listen, little- as a millennial, I shout out to Gen Z. I appreciate that drag. I agree with the drag. I agree with it. It was funny. I agree with the drag. Um, and listen, millennials, ooh, in the feelings, all up in the feelings. <laughs> but I appreciate a good drag, even if it's at my expense. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I like a good laugh. That's so okay. Yeah. So shout out to Gen Z. You're the real MVPs right now. You said something. I'm thinking about what to name this episode. I think you said soulless leadership. Oh. So. I got. I need. I have to see how it sounds if it's King of oh, the Black, King of the Blacks, or um, Soulless Leadership. I, I, those are the two choices I'm thinking of right now. Or shit, had Negro in charge. I mean, shit. Listen, it could be uh, Soulless Leadership, and then colon had Negro in charge. True. 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 That's... There were a lot of funny, um, funny sound bites on here. I think, but. <laughs> That's what we listen. Oh. That's what we like to do here. Listen, it's real information, real knowledge for you to get, you know, to get some schooling, some education, but a little bit of humor too. You know, we gotta laugh through these things in life, you know. And everybody wear your mask, please. And COVID's not gone. Mm. I wanna I'm gonna end every episode with that now. Please still take precautions in social distance, okay? Because the numbers are going up so astronomically in this country. And y'all think cause summer came, it's a hot girl summer. Well, COVID is a hot girl and she's still here. Yeah. And you some know? of y'all need to stay home, like all yeah. of you. And you saw DL Hewley. And he especially these Yes. And nobody's yes. wearing a mask in that club and everything. I was like, what is wrong with people? That was a whole COVID room. He just walked into a COVID room. And then he passed out on stage and I was like, you know, this will be a really good meme, but I'm going to hope pray for you. Because I was like, sorry, this was low-key funny, but I'm sorry. And you had COVID. Jeez. It's and he's scary. like, I'm surprised. Like, why are you surprised? Why? Why are you there? Like, what are you doing? 
I see people, you know, just in my neighborhood, because now restaurants are starting to open up, but outdoors, and the tables are six feet apart, but there's like 10, 15 people at one table. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know you all haven't been in the same house this whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm trying to play around. Wave this... two is coming. Listen. Wave, two, wave one didn't even end. Right. That's true. That's what? true. Like, yeah, I'll say this. We're in New York. Wave one kind of eight ended for us because New York actually took precaution. But the rest of the country, you're still in wave one and you didn't take precautions. You know, Florida is crazy right now. Texas, uh, Detroit, it's supposed to be black people are 13% of the population, 40% of the cases in Detroit. Wow. So black folk, again, don't listen to all these, these Twitter and social media conspiracy theories about 5G and COVID and this nonsense. It's real. And also, I know it's tempting, but don't book these flights. I saw a flight for $30 to Florida the other day. And I was like, do I want to just try and see? And I was like, that's the devil. I had to close it. I was like, you know what? It is this the is devil. Get people. This is how they get people. It is the devil. I think it, it was like $17 each way for to go to West Palm Beach. I mean, it's crazy. It is the devil. And I'm going to tell you, Jamaica was closed down for two months. They opened the damn country five days ago. Okay. And they're and Jamaica has low numbers because it's an island. So they were able to black it out. Right. Here we go. They haven't tested all the tourists. They 14 new cases and they all came from America. And I'm See? like, you know what? Right. Come on. Like, when are we going to get it together? Why are we like this? I'm sorry. Uh, why are we like this? And this is why other countries, like Jamaica's poor, so they, don't, they didn't have a choice in this matter, honestly. Well, unfortunately, they're being manipulated into doing this. But there's a girl on Twitter who we, you know, I follow and she follows me. And she's saying her office, she has an office in Estonia. And she wants to go to the office in Estonia. And Estonia was like, we ain't letting nobody from America in. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, Estonia is back to normal, but they're not letting people in. I was like, it makes yeah. sense. Don't let Americans in because we're the worst. (laughs) It makes sense. And why are we like this? And why are you guys fighting this? I had to catch myself. I was like, am I going to book this flight? And I was like, what is wrong with you? Close this app. You're not going anywhere. Please don't. I'm not. But it took me a second because $30, I mean, listen. I mean, well, how far in advance could you book it? Could you book it for next year? Um, it was for July. I think it was like the $30 flight for some time. No, 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 no. I know. I know. I know, it was bad. I caught myself, though. I see how people are getting caught up. I know, but everybody is so dangerous, so please wear your mask and wash your hands and take precautions. It's not over, and it's not just the flu, and it's it's so hard. And, you know, knowing people who've passed away, it, it's it's a slap in the face to people who've lost loved ones, man. It, it, yeah. It's such a slap in the face to people who've lost loved ones who've died, who are not all elderly, okay? I know, you know, I know people from their 20s to their 80s who've died from COVID, which is awful. And then, you know, you're also putting these essential workers, the healthcare workers at risk unnecessarily because y'all can't stay in the house and wear your masks. Yeah. <sighs> 2020. Listen, we all going to be alcoholics after 2020. Oh, big old alcoholics too. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> too much. <'Cause laughs> too much. What else are we going to do? I'm right having now? like 15 pounds a week. I'm just like. It's too much. Listen, I have my stop. I have my drizzly order coming probably <laughs> today, <laughs> and I order like ten bottles of wine at a time. Listen, I'm like, hey, drop them off. If you come, the back level of homemade homemade French fries that I have made over this entire, I've cut so many potatoes. It's a lot. I'm like, you know what I want? Some hand cut French fries. Let me do. Let me just do it again. We're just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Terrible. Look, 
this whole 2020 is just taking the rug out under all of us and made us have to take a real close look at our lives and what is really going on. It's, it's crazy. 2020. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but like, may the force be with everybody. Miss Tiff, thank you for coming through another episode. Thank you for having me. And y'all get this knowledge. If you are a diversity officer or no one and you feel offended, holla at me. I'm happy to have you on so you can defend your piece and tell me, you know, why you're not just the HNIC and the good Negro. So tell me and happy to have you back. So everyone, this has been Gab with Gwen. Take care of yourselves and till next time. Peace. Bye. Bye.